Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Discipleship. Discover your identity in Christ. It's the new book in stores now, written by Anton Labushakhny, and Anton is sitting right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we're going to talk all about the book. Anton, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate your time with me tonight. Can you tell me all about your book, Discipleship, Discover Your Identity in Christ? What can readers find here? Well, this is exactly what the title says. It's about identity. And when I wrote the book, there's actually four things I focus on in this book that I believe that every believer should know and should be the foundation of our walk in Christ. And the first thing is just to understand how much our Heavenly Father loves us, and that His love is unconditional. Hmm. I made sure through the book that I mentioned that a lot. The second thing in the book that is important that I want readers to know is you know, what Jesus did for them on the cross. What does the finished work of the cross mean? And what does it mean that it was a substitutionary sacrifice by Jesus? What happened when he took our place and we took his? The third thing that I think is important, it's right through the book, is for people to understand God's giving of men through different dispensations in the Bible. And to live our abundant life from victory in the current dispensation, which is the sixth one, which is the dispensation of grace. Mm. And lastly, it's important for me that people are fully convinced of what is their true identity in Christ. And then allow the Holy Spirit to guide and lead them to live in authority and receive the promises of God for their lives. That's so important, Anton. Now, you're writing to believers here. Would you say that there's anything that unbelievers could get from this book? Well, absolutely. I actually, when I wrote the book, I was thinking about people that are just before they come to Christ or the people that are just young believers. Hmm. And I think that's why the focus is God's love. I think for everybody, anybody can get something out of the book as everybody is searching for that relationship today where they really understand that they are loved and they are appreciated and that's how God feels about us, and that's how He sees us. Mm. I think for the unbeliever picking it up, it's going to direct them directly into knowing and understanding that they are loved by God. Anton, what inspired this book? What gave you the spark to sit down and start writing? Well, that's a good question. You know, when I realized there is a lot of people that don't really are in a relationship and an accountable relationship with somebody that take responsibility to help them to grow in the foundational doctrines and practices of faith and for them to grow in their relationship with God. So that was the inspiration. My wife and I was pastoring a church in South Africa, mm. and the Lord spoke to us to equip the believers to make sure the believers are not setting their eyes on me as a pastor, but they set their eyes on God, and they keep their eyes fixed on Jesus. And that was the inspiration. Initially, when I wrote the book, it was not to publish. The book was to disciple. The book was to equip people 
believers and to build accountable relationships with the people that are in the church and to help them to grow spiritually and to mature. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a book, I wrote first chapters, but it was like a study material for the, the members in our church. And then I wrote another seven chapters, and then the Rona wrote another seven <laughs> chapters, and then I wrote the final chapter, and then people's lives got changed. The book, the chapters that I wrote became very effective in believers' lives, and it was the churches start using that in prisons in South Africa. With that happening around me, the Lord spoke to me and said, I need to publish the book. Mm. And then I put all 22 chapters together. Well, I think this book will inspire believers and non-believers alike, and I encourage my listeners to go seek this out. It's titled Discipleship, Discover Your Identity in Christ. It's written by Anton Labushakny, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere. So go to Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble, go to iTunes, or even traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you can find it there. Anton, it's been great speaking with you tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate your time. I have a really interesting book in my hands right now. It's titled Angel Chronicles, Patriarchs. It's written by Dixon Hayes, and we get to talk all about this book right now. Dixon is sitting here with me at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Dixon, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It's good to be here. Good to be here. It's great to be talking with you tonight. Dixon, what are readers in store for when they open up Angel Chronicles Patriarchs? Well, it's the story about spiritual warfare, how it began, which it began in heaven. It's a fictionalized account seen from the eyes of the angels and the demons. Hmm. What sorts of readers do you think would be really into this book? You know, it is it is a Christian fiction book, so definitely those who practice the tenets of the Christian faith, but anybody who's interested in spiritual warfare, anyone that's interested in a, seeing a character development, and it's really meant to be universal. Mm. It's not written in a proselytizing or condemnatory manner at all. Can you think back, Dixon, to when you got the idea for this and what the spark was that made you sit down and get started? It just came into my mind about oh, um, five years ago. I had this one particular scene at the beginning of the book that just would not get out of my head. Mm. And it was something that I just had to get down. And once I started writing, I couldn't stop. I held on to the concept. Now, it did take me five years because I was a single mom. So often on writing here and there, but it really picked up speed about October of 2021. And that's where it got finished. Mm. Before you wrote this book, Dixon, uh, what does your writing background look like? Do you ever do anything like this before? No. This is my debut novel. Wow. This is amazing. It's a, an amazing experience. I bet. Yes. <laughs> I was a teacher. I actually taught English in middle school and high school. But that's about the extent of my writing until now. <laughs> I could imagine it was probably a crazy time for you whenever that first copy came in and you opened up the mailbox and there it is. And get to hold your book and see your name on the cover and everything. Dixon, what was that moment like for you? Holding the physical manifestation of a dream accomplished is indescribable. Mm. There's a flood of emotions that roll through your whole being. And then just having this sense, it's overwhelming for me anyway, this overwhelming sense of gratitude and humility and being awestruck. So it ran the gauntlet of all kinds of emotions, (laughs) but just holding my dream accomplishment in my hands to be able to touch it was profound. Have you thought about doing maybe a follow-up to this or another book in the future? 
I have. Actually, it's planned to be part of a series. Hmm. And I'm currently still researching for the second book and also endeavoring into a, a women's literature project. Hmm. Now, Dixon, based on everything that you've been through writing and publishing, do you have any advice, any words of wisdom that you could offer to the aspiring authors who are listening to us? Just get it down. Don't worry about if you can't spell, if your sentence structure isn't perfect. Just get it out of you and onto paper because that is your voice on paper. Your voice is the only one in the entire world. It's, it has its unique blueprint. So whether or not it gets published, get it down because it's a part of you. Great advice. Now, when you think back over writing this and publishing this, what was the most challenging part of things for you, Dixon? The most challenging part, looking back now, I would say, I would say not getting it done in, in a timelier manner. Hmm. But then, of course, all things run their course as they're supposed to. So, okay, the challenging part was actually putting my hands, gripping beliefs that I can do this. Once I firmly held on to that and would not let go, then the momentum increased. You know, oftentimes, the toughest part is just getting past that mental block, you know, that confidence yes, thing. absolutely. And when you look back over everything now, Dixon, to you, what's the most rewarding aspect of being a published author now? That I can achieve my dreams, period. Mm. Well, I think a lot of people are really going to love this book. The title is Angel Chronicles, Patriarchs. It's written by Dixon Hayes. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. And of course, you can grab it up anywhere. So go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you can pick it up there. Dixon, it's been great having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be sitting down with author Donald Harland here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Donald, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here with me tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. You know, it's so exciting when you get a new book out there in stores. Your new one is called How I Overcame, and this is a memoir. Can you tell me what readers can expect here, Donald? The book is about myself growing up as a troubled youth and getting mixed up in the wrong crowds and, mm. you know, all types of things that, that lead children astray. And then getting addicted to the drugs and alcohol. Mm. So once I learned to overcome, once I overcame that addiction, you know, I felt, you know, it was my responsibility to share that with my peers. Man, what a fantastic story that is, Donald. What was the spark or the inspiration that made you say, hey, I got to get started on this book. I got to tell my story to the world. Yeah. I worked for an institution that helped people, you know, that did a lot of things for people, mm. you know, and I volunteered there at this institution. And the director, he told me that he really thought that my story could help a lot of people. You know, he knew about, you know, myself overcoming a lot of what I've been through. And so it really kind of inspired me to write that, put pen to paper. Mm. Donald, were you writing primarily for people who also have troubles like you had, addiction issues, and growing up with a rough life? Yes. This particular book, because I, I struggled for so long, and I hear, I hear stories about people struggling, you know, for years and years and decades, you know, for that matter, mm. and struggling with something that they just can't shake. And it was something that I never experienced in my life. Never, ever imagined nothing that I could, you know, couldn't overcome. 
So once I had to struggle in all them years of addiction and lack, you know, then once I overcame that, you know, I felt that it's something that people like me, like I was going, people that were going through the same problems I was going through, they needed to hear that. Mm. I took that advice. Donald, how long did this take you to write? It took me just to write it, to put it together. It took me several months to write it couple weeks to edit, you know, then you have to get over the apprehensions and whatnot, which I'm now completely over because, you know, the, the scripture that I shared with people before that helped me overcome that fear, you know, apprehension, of, you know, revealing all my tell-all story, you know, it was a scripture in, in the book of Revelations, chapter 12, verse 11. It says, and they overcame him, meaning the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. That passage of Scripture alone totally eliminated my fears. Donald, have you thought about maybe writing another one after this? Yes. I'm actually, I'm working on a continuation of, of my first book. You know, it's, that's what I'm working on right now. I can only imagine the feelings and the thoughts that you have whenever you get the first copy in and you get to hold your book for the first time. Your name's on the cover of this book, Donald. What was that like for you? Oh, wow. That was a feeling of accomplishment. You know, I, mm. I felt that I really achieved something that I hear so many people say they want to achieve this. You know, So I really felt a strong sense of accomplishment. Very grateful. And you should, you know, you're right. A lot of people say, hey, one day I'm going to write a book. But how many of those people actually do it? And you're one of the ones that actually followed through. You did it. So kudos to you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. And now that you've done that for the first time, Donald, uh, what advice would you give to authors who are listening to us right now who are just starting out and are just about to do the same thing? First and foremost, I would say I had to stay focused. You know, if you're going mm. to write a book, if you're planning to write a book, you know, stay focused on that, do your research, do a lot of studying and, and whatnot. And most important, don't give up. Well, what a wonderful story this book tells. I think it's going to help a lot of people, and my listeners should check it out. The title is How I Overcame. It's written by Donald Harland and is published by Covenant Books. You can find it everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Donald, I really appreciate you coming on the show and telling me about your life story a little bit and about this book. I had a nice time with you. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoy being on your show. I'll be coming back again for the next one. The Battle for Amphitrite, a Carletta novel. That's the new book in stores now, written by S.A. Connolly, and we're going to talk all about it. S.A. is joining me right now. S.A., welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. The Battle for Amphitrite, this is actually book two in the Carletta series. So, S.A., could you give us a little background on the series in general and then tell us about book two? All right. Well, the first book in the series, Carletta, begins with the main character, Bridget. She's 15 years old, and she's been stranded on this island for the last six years until she finds out that her destiny is to become the destroyer of evil. It's in a magical land, so she's a witch, but she is supposed to be the most powerful witch that the world has seen at this point. Hmm. 
So when she realizes that that is her destiny, she goes after the man who killed her father and took over her kingdom. And then she goes on to fight battles with him and make a lot of friends along the way. And the first book takes about two years of her life. It's quite a thick novel. But that leads us to the second book where Bridget is about 19 years old and the final battle in the first book has already ended. And peace has come to the country once again until suddenly peace is no longer there. Because unfortunately, as the destroyer of evil, there's always one more evil that you're going to have to face. Unfortunately, that never ends. So the battle for Amphitrite takes place mostly under the Deselvian Sea in the kingdom of Amphitrite, which from the first novel, we meet Bridget's mermaid friend, Alaska, and her father has just been murdered by a sea serpent in that kingdom, and she is now the queen, but there are a lot of problems in that kingdom. Whoever has convinced the sea serpents to attack is still after Alaska's crown. So Bridget grows a tail and becomes a magical creature and goes down there to fight the sea serpents and find out who exactly is behind the attacks on Alaska's kingdom. But not only that, Bridget, for the last two years, has left Carletta and she's been in the war-torn country of Celine, which is right next door. And she's been trying to help them rebuild and help them get their government back. Well, while she is underneath the DeSelvian Sea with Alaska, there is yet another coup for her crown as Queen of Selene. So in the middle of the second book, we see Bridget kind of fighting a war on both fronts. She's fighting for that kingdom of Selene and fighting for the kingdom of Amphitrite. All the while, all she wants to do is get back to her home kingdom of Carletta so that she can have a normal life because she's a 19-year-old girl at heart. She really just wants a normal life, but this legacy and this destiny has been forced on her. So we kind of see her grow and change as a character and her character development and those of her friends and her enemies just kind of build in this second novel. Now, Heather, being that your main character is a 19-year-old, was that the audience that you're going after, the teen readers? Yes. Yes. Carletta originally began as a young adult geared novel, with the first book being she was 15, the second book she was 19. Mm. But I've noticed from a lot of the book signings that I've done over the past couple of years since the first book has been out that adults in their 30s and 40s actually do enjoy this novel mm. and the genre as well. But mostly, yes, it is geared toward young adults. And after this one, do you have more planned? I do. I leave this book on a cliffhanger. So mm. sorry about that. <laughs> but there is a third book that I am currently working on right now. And then there will be a fourth book. And that is where I will end it. This will be a four-part series. Oh, wow. Do you ever get writer's block? You ever start writing, then you get stuck? You have no idea what to do next? I do. I get writer's block. <laughs> Thankfully, I have a friend who he will sit there and he will help me work it out and we'll talk about it. And he's phenomenal when I have my writer's block, but mm. I get it occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> well, this novel is quite the adventure and I encourage my listeners to definitely check it out. It's titled The Battle for Amphitrite, a Carletta novel. This is written by S.A. Conley and is published by Newman Springs Publishing and it's available everywhere. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. S.A., thank you so much for joining me and telling me all about this really exciting book. I enjoyed our time tonight. 
Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking with you. If you've ever wondered what it was like to slip into a cult and then find your way out, then this is your story. It's in the book Moonshadow, My Three Years Inside the Unification Church, How I Got In and Got Out, a memoir. This is written by Thane Rahausen Mathis, and Thane is sitting right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to talk all about this book. Thane, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Corey. Uh, thanks for having me on. Well, it's all my pleasure. Thane, can you tell us what readers are in store for here when they open up Moonshadow? Yes. At the time I started writing this, COVID was in full force, and I think that caused many of us to engage in self-reflection about our lives, given that people were catching it and dying quickly all around us. So from that place, I thought, if my life was at end right now, what could I do in my own special way to help heal the division that threatens to destroy the country I love? And that was the genesis of my drive to write this book. So anyway, I wrote it as a labor of love. I would write a little bit every other day, and then I would go away for a while and then come back to it. It wasn't easy because to do so required me to relive everything that's in this book. So this book is about three years of my life at ages 19, 20, and 21, when I became a full-time member of the Unification Church. And that's the Reverend Sun Myung Moon, that man from South Korea. So in it, I reveal details that I kept secret from even my best friends for 44 years. And in writing it, I revisited all of my memories of this period of my life, And from the perspective of a 67-year-old man, I put together the pieces of the puzzle to reach a new and freeing understanding of what really happened to me that was very healing for me. So the reason I wrote it as a stream of conscious memoir is because I don't think you can really understand how someone falls into joining a cult unless you get inside the mind of that person. And so because of this, I wrote my book as a stream of consciousness story about what happened in my youth to set me up for cult life and how exactly I got in and got it out. Now, after sharing this intimate and private story in the book, the last part of my book, I identify several characteristics that all cults have, regardless of the outward form. Then I apply these characteristics to four different groups and analyze which of these are cults. So the end goal of my book is to provide each reader with the tools to decide for themselves whether or not a group they are considering is a cult and should be avoided. So when I started to write this book, I didn't know exactly where it would take me. I just wrote it authentically from my heart. But after the first manuscript was written, I recognized that it was not only a book about the psychology of cults, that it was also a book about my undying faith for that big love which comes from the Spirit of Jesus, that love which empowers people to overcome and truly understand life. It's also a book about that love that brings healing through forgiveness of those who have greatly hurt us. So anyway, I hope that this book can help many people to overcome the ravages of mental illness and move on to be happy and truly free. I want to empower each individual to be the guru of their own life and to have their own special, personal, and loving connection to God 
or whatever that is that serves their highest good. I feel it's okay to have heroes that we greatly admire, but it's never beneficial ultimately to put any man or any human being above yourself. And I can help people who are inside a cult to hopefully have an off-ramp when they wake up, which they eventually will, and they'll find themselves disoriented and they'll find themselves in need of guidance to be able to pick up the pieces and move on with their lives in a constructive way. So that's really the reason that I've written this book. Well, this is such an important book, and my listeners ought to check it out. It's titled Moonshadow, My Three Years Inside the Unification Church, How I Got In and Got Out, a memoir. Of course, this is written by Thane Rahausen Mathis and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can grab it up everywhere, so get to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or down at your traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll find this book there. Thane, thank you for joining me again and telling me about your work. I had a really great time talking. Same, Corey. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Rookie Rescuer, learning about God and first responder work through real calls. That's the book. It just came out, written by Tommy Nyman. And Tommy is right here with me now on the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we get to talk all about this book. Tommy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's great to be with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. It's all my pleasure. Tommy, what can readers expect when they open up Rookie Rescuer? Well, hopefully they're going to be kids ages like 7-ish to about 12-ish, and they're going to be opening up a book that's really the lights and sirens to different calls I've had in my career where I saw God work really powerfully on the scenes that I was at while at the same time, I'm teaching them about first responder work and some of the practical lessons that can be learned from what we did and how we did operations on scenes. You know, the kids are always up against the fence in the play yard when they hear the sirens and they see the lights. And hopefully they're going to see that they've been taken to the call and get to, of course, not only learn what went on operationally with the trucks and the equipment, but they're going to also see profoundly what God did through my eyes being on that call in a spiritual sense. Can you tell me about the spark? What, what inspired you to say, hey, I got to sit down and start writing this book? Well, I really felt like after 9-11 back in 2001, there was sort of a new respect, even though now we know first responders, especially on law enforcement side, there's been some negativeness. And that, of course, is what I'm trying to share with the kids to see the positiveness. But back in 2001, we started seeing a real increase of kids coming to the fire station and field trips. And, you know, all along that way, I always thought that one day I'd like to be able to take these kids further than just the truck room of the fire station. Hmm. That's when some of these calls began to happen where I thought, wow, these kids could learn something. And they could also see that even though the destruction and the damage and the injuries and even loss of life, there was still a presence of the Lord on those scenes. And if I could get that interest of those kids into that scene, then they really are in a position to learn about the Lord. But 
just seeing the kids come more and more to the stations and just realizing that after this first book I did about calls that I had been on, similar to what we share in Rookie Rescuer, I just felt like I could go deeper into an opportunity for these kids to read at their level, answer questions, and really see the spiritual side by being on those scenes as best I could take them to those scenes. Mm-hmm. It's just exciting to be at a time when, you know, first responder work is very heightened. It's a very needed. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've aimed to do. And now I want those kids to kind of get a head start on it. <laughs> Tell me, how long did it take you to write this and put it through that publishing process? Well, it took three years to really sit down and really look at notes and talk to guys that were on some of those scenes with me just to get a good, accurate description. And sure enough, here we are just getting a couple months into the release of this book and already some great excitement is building. I love what this book is all about. It's titled Rookie Rescuer, Learning About God and First Responder Work Through Real Calls. This is written by Tommy Nyman and is published by Covenant Books. Get it anywhere. So go to Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble, go to iTunes, take a walk down the street to your local brick-and-mortar store, and this book will be there for you. Tommy, thank you again for coming on the show, telling me about, first of all, all the first responder work that you've done, which we all really, really appreciate, and then for telling me all about this book. I had a great time. Oh, I did too, man. It's great working with you, and... We're just praying that hearts are touched, and the main thing is there's a great opportunity for kids to pray to receive Christ, and there couldn't be anything better than leading them to that relationship with Jesus at an early age. So Mm. thank you so much. I am just excited to be with you, Corey, and I know that we are blessed, and we Mm. take each day as a blessing from God. Thank you so much, Corey. Joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Martha Black. Martha, thanks for joining me tonight. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. You got a new book out. It's very exciting. Just wanted to congratulate you on that. It's called Little Missy. Martha, can you tell me about it? Okay. Little Missy is about a girl who has Guillain-Barre syndrome, and she's been in bed for months, and she's just way down in a deep pit of fatigue and depression. That's what Gilmore does to you. Mm-hmm. And her father has already lost his wife, and he's terrified that he's going to lose her. And so he asks her what he can do to help her. And she said, I need someone to spend time with me, lots and lots of time. So he finds her a little girl, her own age, named Sammy. And Sammy knocks on her door one day and opens it up and just goes on in and jumps up on her bed and says, I'm here to see you get out of bed. And she said, well, how are you going to do that? She said, with miracles, lots and lots of miracles. So that's what the book is about. Martha, what gave you the idea for this story? I just wanted a story. Sometimes the Lord put in my mind a story about a disease that could put you to bed for long enough, but you would get over. And so I went to my doctor, and I asked my doctor for three diseases that would do that. And I researched them all, and I chose Guillain-Barre because it fit what I wanted to say. Martha, what kinds of readers were you writing for here? Who do you think would be most into it? This is a book that's for preteen girls. It's really not anything particular I don't think that a boy would like. It's not an adult book. It's, it's really for, for children. It's a good book. It's a book that has a lot of positive spirit because Sammy is just a light in the dark. 
she just radiates hope and joy and all that. And she transfers that to little Missy and changes her life. Mm. Martha, can you tell me a little bit about your writing background? Have you ever done this kind of thing before? I've written one other book. Well, actually, I've been writing for 50 years. Oh, wow. But I've always hated what you had to do to get published, and I never did do much. But the first book that I had gotten published was called The Views of the Cross in the Tomb. And this is a biblical fiction book. So it tries to stay very close to what the Bible says. And then you fill in the cracks. You know, (laughs) the Bible doesn't cover everything. It's actually eight different viewpoints of the crucifixion and the resurrection. It's got Jesus's and John's and Peter. Peter wasn't at the cross, but his personality was such that he just had to be someplace close. They had Mary the mother, a bystander, Mary Magdalene, a Roman soldier, and he has God's viewpoint. Once you sat down, started writing Little Missy, Martha, about how long was the whole process until you got it published? Well, it's a very small book. I, I was shocked when I got my 10 copies of it because <laughs> it was such a tiny book. It's only 44 pages long. But it, I think it probably took me maybe a couple of months because it has 12 chapters. And I think I wrote about a, mu- a chapter a day. What are the chances we'll see maybe a sequel to Little Missy or maybe another kind of book from you in the future? I have another book out that's already been accepted. Hmm. It's a Christmas storybook. It has 20 Christmas stories, and the title of it is, I Heard the Tales on Christmas Day. So it'll be out about October, which would be just in time for Christmas. You mentioned getting those first copies in the mail of Little Missy, Martha. What was that moment like for you? It had to be surreal after working at it all that time, seeing it on the computer screen, and now you get to hold it. What's that like? Well, it feels really good, you know, to, to get a book finished. But I don't write just because I want to write. I write because I want to help people. Mm. And this book that I've got, Little Missy, and I heard the tales on Christmas Day, are both going to be given to a ministry called One Hope. And that's a ministry that tries to get a Bible to every child in the world. That's where my heart really is. Oh, that's wonderful. Martha, even though you may love it, sometimes you'll sit down and get writer's block. How do you get through the difficult challenges like that? I have never, ever have writer's block. The reason is because I feel like the things that I do come from the Lord. I struggle with spelling. I struggle with sentence structure, but never the story. Once I put my fingers, I've got the idea, and I put my fingers on the keys, it's just like it just flows. So that's not something I struggle with. I think a lot of readers are going to be blessed and helped by this book, and it's titled Little Missy. It's written by Martha Black. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get it everywhere, of course, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Martha, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about Little Missy. I had such a nice time talking with you. Okay, thank you so very much for doing this. This book challenges readers to get excited about changing the world. It's titled Rogerland, A Guide for Humanity. This is written by Roger Boniche, and Roger is right here with me now, and we get to talk all about this book. Roger, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here with you. I'm excited to talk about your book. Can you tell me all about Rogerland? What can readers find here? Mostly it's a book about inspiration and hopefully planting a seed on how we could better our future and how to find a more positive outcome for the planet, humanity, and everybody else that inhabits this wonderful earth. Hmm. Did you have a specific group of readers, maybe, that you were speaking to here? Well, 
at first I was thinking of just anybody that shares, you know, the same feeling that, you know, we do need to sort of get on track for a more positive tomorrow. Then I start thinking to myself, you know, this could also be for anybody who is just excited about creating something. Hopefully, it'll inspire people to create their own better future. So they don't have to follow the book every word per se. They don't have to agree with every chapter or every idea. But as long as we're inspiring each other and we're all in this as a team, as humanity, looking for a brighter tomorrow, you know, I, I think that's a good outcome for me. I would be very pleased and very grateful for that. Roger, where did this idea come from? What inspired you to write the book? Yeah, I was traveling at an early age. I did uh, about four months in Asia, some months in Africa, Europe, Hmm. North America, Latin America. And in my travels, I saw all the beauty that's so different wherever you go. There's always so much to take in and so much, you know, man-made beauty as well as God-made beauty. It's just beauty all around us, right? (laughs) Mm, Absolutely. I feel like then I started also noticing how, you know, sometimes humanity fails in common areas, no matter where you are in the planet. And I just sort of wanted to tackle those topics and and sort of, you know, try and guide us. Since I've seen it repeated in such different geographies and locations across the planet, I, I just felt like maybe I could help a little bit here. Now, this is a pretty complex topic, Roger. I could imagine this might have taken you a long time to do. Is that the case? Yeah, yeah. It took me a while because uh, at first I sort of knew I wanted to write the book and then I just never got around to sitting down and start the actual process of putting a book together. I had a lot of notes gathered across the years. I had gathered a lot of notes because I knew that I wanted to write a book. But once I sat down, to be honest, I never felt writer's block. I, I was always just very excited. If anything, I feel like I skipped some ideas because I was writing so fast and I was just sort of like I didn't want to lose the inspiration. So, yeah, that, that's actually a thing that I feel that I may have skipped some ideas in the process. And that's a shame, I think. But overall, from the moment I sat down to finishing the book, I would say it was about a year, a year's time. And, and just a couple of years before that, gathering ideas and information on how to bring it together. I'm really curious about the title, Rogerland. Can you tell me about that? The title, because my name is Roger, and so Rogerland is my ideal place to live. Like if I were to choose a place Mm. to live, I would like to live in a place that has all these properties. But as I mentioned, for the readers, it's not that I want to impose my thoughts on anybody. If anything, I want to inspire and if the reader feels that there's things to change, then by all means, I would just be happy to inspire the readers and, and have them go about building their own, you know, like Peter Land or Charlie Land or Bertha Land, you know, like right. I want everybody to get inspired on building a better tomorrow, a brighter future. I like that approach that you're not trying to tell people how to do things, but rather you're inspiring them to think and you're inspiring them to change things in their own way. I think that's a great approach, Roger. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to get excited about changing the world for the better, then pick this book up. It's titled Rogerland, A Guide for Humanity. This is written by Roger Bonish, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can get it everywhere, like on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Roger, I really appreciate you coming on the show tonight and telling me all about Rogerland. I had a really nice time talking with you. 
Me too. I, I had a great time, and thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Bailey Boo, The Blind Cockapoo. It's the new book in stores now, written by Terry Cole. And we're going to talk all about this book. Terry is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Welcome to the show, Terry. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to have you. It is so exciting when you get a book out there for people. Bailey Boo, The Blind Cockapoo. Can you tell me what readers can find here? You know, just a little bit of a background. I work with children that are struggling readers and have some sort of disability or something that's, you know, making them a little bit different and stand out. And Bailey is actually our cockapoo who's blind. And it's amazing how you can just see somebody with a disability, whether it's an animal or a person, how they adapt and how they get along. In this book, Bailey's feeling a little down about herself since she can't see anymore and doesn't feel useful. And her friends get on board to show her exactly how useful she is. Hmm. What sorts of readers did you have in mind for this? I take it it's a children's book, of course, but what age range were you thinking of? Like one to three, one to four. So what inspired you to actually sit down and, and start writing this book? What fueled this fire in you? I love any sort of creative outlet, whether it's writing or, you know, anything. I also make glass beads. I love anything that's a creative outlet. And like I said, it was just kind of the work with the kids that I saw and the ones that struggle and how they feel like they become accepted with their disability and just kind of transferred it over to a cute dog that a young child could relate to, whether they had a disability or not. They can just see that everybody has something to contribute. Uh, What does your writing background look like, Terry? Have you ever done anything like this before? No, I have not. (laughs) (laughs) I have not. I've my writing background includes healthcare policies and procedures. <laughs> Very dry material. <laughs> <laughs> so making that jump from that clinical nonfiction that you've been working with for so long into the world of fiction, into kids writing, was that a big jump for you? How tough was that for you? It was a big jump. I don't know that I would have called it tough. You know, that age range for kids, you don't want to be wordy. You know, because half the time, I don't know if you've read a book to a very, very young child, but by the time you're on the third word, they're pulling at the pages and flipping (laughs) it. And so you you don't want to sit there, you know, writing word piece that, you know, in a children's book like that. That was probably the biggest challenge. I just didn't want to be wordy. I wanted the book to be entertaining, quick to read, and they could sit through it. You mentioned that visual element, the illustrations, it really has to connect with the story that you're telling. How did that process go for you? Well, actually, the the illustrator that I worked with did a really, did a fantastic job. I mean, that person wanted to know what I was looking for as far as the appearance of Bailey. And I, I kept Bailey kind of true to life here at home. And a lot of the things that happened in that book, even with the Mr. Bird, our parakeet, Mr. Bird did talk and said that, what you doing, doing, doing. So a lot of the things that happened in the book really happened here at home. So doing that part with the illustration was actually a lot easier because I was pulling from what I already knew. And when that day finally came for you, Terry, and you got the mail, you opened up the box, and there was that first copy of this book, and you got to touch it and feel it, hold this thing for the first time. What was that moment like for you? Oh my gosh, it was so exciting. You know, I mean, 
I'm assuming, you know, I think it's a great story. I think it's great for kids. You know, I've got wonderful friends and family that support. So I knew everybody was going to be excited for me. It'll really hit home if I actually see people wanting that book or to read it to their child or their grandchild. And Mm -hmm. I did have one person reach out and it was a baby shower gift. So that was incredible too. That was really cool. (laughs) What are the chances that we'll see more adventures from Bailey Boo? Do you think of a sequel? (laughs) You know what? Yes. My kids, when they realized Mr. Bird and everybody was in it, they said, oh, my gosh, you've got to keep going. <laughs> but, yes, it would be fun. I'm, I'm hoping that there's another one to come along. Well, what a wonderful book. I encourage my listeners to check this out. It's titled Bailey Boo, The Blind Cockapoo. It's written by Terry Cole. It's published by Fulton Books. And you can find it everywhere, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Terry, it's been great having you on the show, learning all about Bailey Boo. Thanks so much again for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Book two of the Supernova trilogy is out. It's titled Evil Temptations. This is written by Kathy Kite, and I'm really happy that we get to talk all about this book right now. Kathy is right here with me. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting. This is really exciting. It's super exciting when you get a book published and it hits store shelves. So, first of all, can you tell me all about this trilogy and then specifically about book two, Evil Temptations? Sure. This trilogy is about a young girl named Abigail Gates who is born with a condition and for her own safety, her mom kind of keeps her secluded thinking that she's helping her. But in fact, she's kind of hindering her. Her whole education is, you know, homeschooled and her own personal library. And so she decides that she wants to make friends and she defies her mother and sneaks out of the house and is ridiculed by the children. And at that point, she realizes she's different. Mm. So she goes back into seclusion and that's where she pretty much stays until, you know, up until that point, she believed that life was all fairy tales and everything had happy endings. Then her mom passes away and she's forced to be part of a world that she's a total stranger to. And this is kind of her story. Supernova 2 actually picks up where 1 leaves off. So it's more of her adult life and the trials and tribulations of being married and, you know, just the whole bang, if you will, of adulthood. Mm -hmm. What kinds of readers, Kathy, do you think would be most into this? Oh, I think everyone from 16 to 60, male or female, I've had all the above read it. I've gotten really good reviews from both men and women of all ages. I try to have a little bit of something for everyone. It's got some masculine storylines in it. And it deals with some real life issues, both in the female world and in the male world, in the real world. I try to make it as realistic as I possibly can so that both you and I, it doesn't matter you know, who you are, where you're from, whether you're different, you're the same. Everyone kind of gets a little bit of a taste of Abigail and Abigail's story and all the different characters that play in and out of the world. So when it comes to the plot and how this is all developing, Kathy, how'd you come up with this idea? Well, oddly enough, I had a dream about it. Way back when, in like 2006, I was talking to a really good friend of mine on MySpace, if you will, that long ago. Oh, wow. We shared poetry and bookstores and things back and forth. And I was telling him about this crazy dream I had. And he's like, you should totally write that. And that's how the whole idea came to be. And 
it's just kind of grown. I mean, I started it. It was just something kind of for me, kind of a therapeutic getaway because, you know, I've always been kind of a storyteller and my dad was that way. You know, Mm. my dad, he was always telling stories. So I grew up with kind of that storytelling mentality, if you will. And once I shared with him that dream, he's like, you have to write this. So I, (laughs) so we day and my kids were playing and I said, I'm the computer and boom, Supernova was born. Mm. So before the first one, had you ever written or published anything? I never. I had written short stories. I have a couple things published, but they were like in the Stevens College books, you know, like on campus, that kind of thing. Nothing to this, you know, statue anyway. Yeah, these are two novels you've done. How, how long do these take you? Well, all together, since it's been about 16 years, I've, they've been in making. And I just finished the third one. It's in queue waiting to go to the publishers. You said this was born from a dream that you had, but I'm sure there was a little bit of yourself that you wrote into it, maybe a little bit that you pulled from your own experiences. Would that be right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, to an extent, it's more like fantasy type. You know, we all sit and we watch movies and we say, man, I wish I was that girl or that guy or Mm. man, I wish I could ride that car that fast or, you know, there's a certain amount of stuff that I think plays into our dreams that help bring out that passion or that curiosity, if you will, but to bring something that you you dream to life and have it like almost breathe air almost. When I hold my book in my hand, it's like I'm, again, holding a baby. It's like it's breathing air. And then to have other people read it and go, wow, this is really, really good. You're like, yeah, you know. (laughs) The title of this is Supernova 2, Evil Temptations. It's written by Kathy Kite. It's published by Newman Springs Publishing. And you can find it everywhere. Go to Amazon or go to Barnes & Noble, go to iTunes or even down the street at your local bookshop and you'll find it there. Kathy, it's been really great talking with you tonight. Thank you so much for telling me all about Supernova, this trilogy. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. And I just want to say thank you to the Reader House Roundtable. It's been a great help as well. So thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 